Welcome to the Artipop podcast. As the founder of Artipop, I've always felt we live in a highly conventional era when it comes to motherhood. But also that change is near. Therefore, I created this podcast to give voice to different refreshing perspectives around motherhood and life in general. I've asked a journalist, Kaira van Wijk, to host this series for you. Let's use our feminine energy to shape the future. Thanks for being here. I'm your host, Kaida. Today we're talking to artist, poet, and mental health advocate, Sister Cody, who shares intentional and incredibly heartfelt messages of love through his art. He started his platform a few years ago to fuel his own healing journey and then amassed many followers worldwide who are captivated by his joyful, kind spirit. He has experienced mental illness himself and has also worked with children in need of psychiatric help, which taught him a great deal about compassion and what needs to change about the current mental health care system. Sister Cody found his inner light through art, nature, community, and tapping into his own pure, unfiltered soul. In his podcast episode, he very openly discusses the transformation he's going through at this very moment, which comes with ups and downs. He talks about how a better world starts with loving yourself, life's purpose, and a next generation of souls. Well, let's not keep you in suspense any longer. Here's our guest. I'm really excited for our talk today, and I, I thought... Let's start out with, for everyone new to your beautiful platform, how did Sister Cody come to be? Well, Sister Cody, um, really just about 10 or 15 years ago, I set out on this search for truth and peace within myself and happiness. And um, that's all I really cared about for about the last 15 years. That has been my only goal in life was to find true peace and happiness and love within myself. And I went through about um, five years of depression. Uh, I call it the dark night of the soul because it was like every breath I was, I was suffocating and it lasted five years. And all I wanted to do was get out of it and be happy and live a peaceful life. Um, and then as a result of me just working on that, trying to find peace and happiness and cultivating um, a peaceful lifestyle through meditation and reading the books I read and just trying to find my truest essence um, after I was able to get out of that dark place, this art and what you see on my page now just started flying out. It would be, I would make two or three pieces a day for about four or five years now. And it was all sister Cody is just the result of the work I've put in to try to live a happy life and find who it was that I really am mm -hmm. and um, live from that place. Beautiful. And you've got like a huge following from it as well. Did you expect that to happen? Yeah, no, it's, it was um, completely unexpected. I Because I've been putting my story out there now for four or five years. And the funny thing is, I'm not saying much different now than what I was saying four or five years ago. I think just the consistency of posting something new and creating something every day. Really, um, people took a liking to that. But then also, I realized that there was a lot of people that have went through or are going through similar things that I have went through. And they are trying to find this place within themselves as well. So I didn't know, I guess, that there were so many people out there trying to find this spiritual growth and this peace and live from this place. I was just sharing my story in case it could help one or two or 10 people. And then I realized, oh my goodness, there's so many people that are like me that are going through these similar changes and struggling to find that peace and who it is that they really are. I can imagine it can seem like such a lonely process. Do you think community is very important for dealing with mental health issues? I absolutely do. And 
I could say that for myself because as I was healing, going through all of these dark times, I did not have any community because I was so confused, so lost, so depressed, so paranoid that I did not even know how to tell anybody what it was that I was feeling because I couldn't even get the words to describe um, what was going on within my being. So I kept it all to myself. And I remember I talked to a therapist maybe twice or three times and um, I'm trained in therapy. I went to school for clinical psychology. And what I realized is that going to therapy, they didn't really work with my spirit. They just wanted to know my problems. And then right away I was tried to, they tried to put me on medication and um, it kind of took the spirituality out of it, which I believed deep down would be what would help cause me to heal. Um, So for me, my road was very lonely and I did not have community, but since building this platform and seeing so many people connect and relate and empower and lift each other up, whether it be through the comment sections or I'll get messages that says, Hey, I met so-and-so on your page and we're hanging out now. And it's been a blast. I've seen the community that just this online platform has um, built. And I get messages all the time about how people don't feel so alone because they realize that other people are going through the same thing. And that makes their struggle more bearable. And to know that they aren't the only one facing these struggles. So although I did not have a community myself, I believe it is so important. And I think that if I were to have a community of people that would have um, been able to understand and relate to me for all those years, that maybe I wouldn't have been stuck in the darkness for all those years. Do you also feel the system where a lot of people, including kids, end up with anxiety and depression needs to change? Absolutely. Yep. I worked in a hospital for a couple of years working with kids with um, really the most extreme cases. It was a mental hospital and it was kids anywhere from... um, kids in there who had murdered somebody when they were younger, paranoid schizophrenia, um, extreme bipolar aggressive disorders, um, people that have been there that experienced the most traumatic things that I could have never imagined. And um, I worked in that hospital setting for years and saw that most of them were going to the doctor at the hospital, getting prescribed a medication And it would either, what it would do is it would kind of numb them down and maybe it would take some of their dark feelings away a little bit, but I didn't see real spiritual healing. It was almost a numbing and not getting to the core of why they were the way they were or why they were feeling these feelings. So I knew right then that it's, I wanted to take a different route and I um, went to do wilderness therapy for a couple of years out here in Arizona where I'm currently at and it was taking kids out in nature and they had to spend 80 days out in nature. Um, Yeah. They had to learn how to survive on their own. They had to create their own fire by hand and find water and make their own food and hike all of these crazy hikes to get to destinations each week. And they were out there and I saw the results and the effects that that had on these children not in a a medical setting. What they asked is that you would get off all medication before coming to this program. So I saw what happened to these kids after 80 days from a holistic approach. And I'm not saying that medicine is evil. I'm not telling people if you're on medicine to stop taking it. I'm not saying that at all, but just after working in a hospital setting, seeing so many kids prescribe so many medications, I was called to take a more holistic approach. And the results I found from just being out in nature and really getting deep down to the healing, why you are the way you are, um, talking about the traumas you've experienced and how they have an effect on why you are the way you are today and really getting down so we can acknowledge and accept and then heal those things and free ourselves. And the results from that place to the hospital were so different that I, um, uh, just love the holistic approach. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, really connecting back to to nature and to your own nature. Absolutely. And of course, everything on your platform, in your art, comes back to love. What is love to you? How would you describe it, if you can even describe it? Mm. I guess if I had to describe love, it is that thing that is within all of us. <laughs> it makes me kind of cry. Um, 
it's that thing within all of us that connects all of us. I call it my spirit, my essence. But when I'm out of all these ideas in my mind of who I am, who I think I am, my past, my future, when I'm out of all of that, I just feel this sense of being, this sense of love um, underneath all of it. And that's when I get through all of these layers and all of these layers. That's the only thing that's left. And if I know that I've experienced this and felt this millions of times, that that's who I really am, my essence, my spirit, my soul, then that has to be who everybody is. Even if they're struggling, even if they are have a different idea of who they think they are, even if they are mean and doing hateful acts, I know that underneath that we are the same, mm-hmm. that they've experienced traumatic things and probably seen things that I have no idea about and had to go through a lot of things that I don't know about that have caused them to be who they are today. But underneath all of it is, is this love, is this, is this awareness. And I feel it when I talk to people that are, how do you say it? I guess when somebody's outside of their mind, you know, when they're not thinking and you just, um, it could be just looking into somebody's eyes. Mm -hmm. The other day I was at the store and, um, somebody had held the door for me and waited for a very long time, just, just an act of love. And I felt that within my being, just these simple acts and, and they had opened the door for me and I said, thank you. And they said, you're welcome. And they were so full of love. And we looked in each other's eyes and we both met at that place of, of love. And we both knew that it was love without even having to say it. So Mm -hmm. sometimes you have these profound moments in life where you can feel it a lot more than others. And sometimes it is a little bit harder to feel like when you're struggling or you're depressed or you're stuck in your mind. It's hard to just think, oh, well, I'm love underneath all of this depression and darkness. I am love. But that has been my experience after um, going through darkness for so long and digging and digging and digging and seeing what was under that only to find love, this this awareness that I call love. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting when you say it about the person who was helping you at the grocery store holding the door. It's also about being at a point where you're able to um, receive that love, no? Because Mm -hmm. sometimes you wouldn't even notice it. That's almost like a practice in itself. Absolutely. Absolutely. That was, (laughs) you couldn't be more right. And that's a lesson that I have learned for a long time. For a long time, I could show love. I knew how to show love, but my heart wasn't totally open to receiving love and to receiving help. So it does take practice and it takes surrender and it takes asking for help sometimes or, or, you know, which has been my hardest thing in life is to ask for help or to ask for somebody to be there for me or really to ask any favor at all. So it's very much a practice. And still for me, I'm working on that. What I also find so inspirational about you is that you seem to be in this permanent state of bliss and it really resonates. Mm. I was wondering, do you sometimes still deal with darker moments or have you sort of mastered this art? Um, You know, (laughs) to be honest, you caught me at a really interesting time in my life and I have Mm -hmm. been going through what feels like another little dark night of the soul again for these last, it's been maybe four months now and I'm starting to climb out of it and feel better. Mm -hmm. But, um, and I hadn't felt anything like this in probably over five years. Um, and I've been experiencing it again to a certain extent, but my past reminds me that even through the dark times, it makes me stronger. I will find my way out, but this has been a really interesting time in my life growing spiritually. And as my consciousness and awareness grows, who I thought I was kind of dies. And so why I have been in this place lately is I don't really have anything to hold on to in the moment. Um, Even the good ideas, the good concepts, the good models that I held about myself in my mind, they're all falling away. So as I lose this attachment, Mm -hmm. which I believe attachment and desire causes suffering. Mm. So as I lose this attachment that I have now about who I am, oh, I'm an artist, I'm um, I'm a speaker, I'm a poet, I'm a son, I'm a husband. As I lose all of these things, 
I lose kind of my identity and who I thought I was. So now I'm back in this place where, okay, who am I really now? Mm -hmm. Who am I really? And I'm trying to, recently I've been trying to give up everything that I could feel that I've been attached to or using subconsciously in any way. And a unique process has taken place within my being. I um, recently gave up, uh, four months ago, gave up weed, gave up caffeine, gave up watching TV, gave up all processed foods and my favorite foods. And so I've been testing myself to say, okay, take away all these things who I think I am and that I enjoy, what is left? Mm-hmm. And that has been a very unique process for me because there are no ideas left for me to hold on to. I, there's just nothing left for me to hold on to. I mean, I know people think I'm an artist or I'm a human being, but I'm trying to figure out who I am underneath all of that because I know one day I will die. I will no longer be Cody. I will no longer be an artist. I won't be this body or this personality or all of these ideas that I have in my head of who I think that I am. So I'm trying to get underneath everything and then see what is left. So (laughs) that's where I'm at right now. And all of that, pushing myself that hard to see what is underneath all of that Mm -hmm. feels like spiritual progress, but it has caused for um, turbulence and it's caused for a really tough time in my life. So I definitely still feel these tough times and this darkness and depression and anxiety at times. But my knowledge of what I've went through and the love and the light that I found underneath, I know that's still there. So that's a great reference point, but I'm also going deeper than I've ever been before, even when I was struggling. So in a sense, it's new territory as well. Mm -hmm. And in these last three or four days, I found this new light within myself a deeper light than I've ever had. Um, And to me, it all comes back to this present moment. When I think in my head anything of what I have to do or what's happened in the past or who I think that I am or a certain thought, what will happen is a certain thought will happen. Oh, maybe I'm anxious or here's this depression again. And what will happen is that thought will cause a feeling within my body. That feeling will cause a certain emotion that goes along with it. And then it becomes this big cycle. Like I'm stuck in this circle and that emotion will produce more of the same thoughts. So Mm -hmm. recently I've noticed that when I start this thinking, it causes this reaction of feeling, emotion, more thinking. So I take a step outside of it and notice all of it happening now. I can notice it happening. I can notice my mind wanting to pull me here and then there. But I take one step back and just focus on my breath, focus on me being here, fully alive, fully present in this moment, whatever it may have in in trying to be more of an awareness and watch the process unfold. And as I keep resting into this present moment, into this observer, my mind's not allowed to control me anymore. Mm. So this is something I'm currently working on. And just like I said, the last three or four days, I finally found some relief and peace and a deeper love that I have never known. I mean, I talk about being present all the time, you know, that's my message a lot is, but I'm realizing that there's so many levels to being present and There's so much to being present. There's so much depth to being present. I mean, we can be present in a day by meditating here and there and doing our yoga and eating right. That's being present, but it gets so much more deep than that. We have a chance to be more present with each breath. (laughs) Each breath holds an opportunity to be more present. So it's like, how present do I really want to be? Do I want to be present for half of my breaths throughout the day? Or do I want to try to be present for all of them and to know that I have a choice each breath, whether I want to be in my mind or present, it can feel like a lot of work because being present, you have to consciously choose to keep being in this moment. It's a practice. And until you master it, you have to consciously keep choosing, oh, okay, I see my mind. 
but I'm going to take a step back and I'm going to rest into this moment, into my being. And maybe 10 minutes have went by and I've already kind of went in a panic attack. My mind's kind of going crazy. And then I notice it. Okay. Then I notice it. Then I take a step back. But whenever I notice I'm not present, I have the opportunity to come back into the present moment. Mm -hmm. So I hope that makes sense. Yeah, totally, totally. As a long answer, the answer is um, to the question, yes, I do still feel darkness and anxiety at times, but for five years, I felt no fear, no anxiety, Mm -hmm. no confusion. Do you feel like this dark night of the soul, you also said it was like an elevated version of what you felt before. Do you feel it's like also part of the human experience and part of our growth? Absolutely. I think that, well, just from my own experience in these last couple of months, struggling so much, and I hadn't had these panic attacks in years and panic attacks and these dark feelings and this impending doom and this cloud always following me above my head. That's what it's felt like for a lot of times these last couple of months. But if I were not have to experience that, I would not want to grow like I want to grow now. I am so hungry and thirsty for growth, for life, for love, for God, for being in the present moment, because I've been suffering so much that that's the only thing that means anything to me now. Mm -hmm. And if I would not have went through this suffering, I would not want it like I want it now. And I would not pursue it like I pursue it now. And I would not spend hours in meditation like I do now and make sure I eat all of the right foods and do these things that are right for me because it's pushing me to grow to be a whole new being, a whole new level of consciousness that I have not yet experienced, which kind of feels like dying because I'm used to living in a certain way of feeling and being, but as I'm letting that go to become something more, I'm letting go of everything I once knew and the feelings I once held and the thoughts I once entertained, even the good ones, you know, we can keep thinking good thoughts, but they're only thoughts. Mm -hmm. So I have to even let that go to be who I'm supposed to be now. And that has felt like a dying and rebirth process, but I very much believe that that's part of the evolution of life. Totally. I hear you. What are your thoughts on life's purpose in general? Um, for me, from my own experience, and this is a really good question. Um, I'm sure everybody would have something different to say, but for me, my purpose right now is to figure out who I really am. The deepest essence of myself, the deepest part of my spirit and truly figure out the truth of that. Not that there won't, it's not to say that I won't keep growing and figuring out new things, but to find the most authentic version of myself, which I call my spirit or my soul or this awareness and to really figure out that and to live from that place as my being and who I am consistently live from that place. And by just living from that place, I will share it with other people in the most natural way because that will be who I am. So I believe the greatest gift I can give the world is to be my fullest self and to connect to other hearts and to remind, really connect. Connect seems to be a big word for me, for my purpose. I want to connect because, you know, we all are on this earth here together going through these miracles, which are crazy at times together. And it's so easy to feel so alone, but there's so many of us that if I could just be myself and share myself, that I feel like it will bridge this gap and connect all of these other hearts and help everybody realize that we're really not all so different and that it's okay to be yourself. It's okay to be yourself and to walk in your truth. And that's kind of my message and on the platform is encouraging others to be their most genuine, authentic self and to live from that place unapologetically. And just by doing that is the greatest gift you could give this world. The greatest purpose I could see is to be my complete self while I'm here. Yeah, to be like your the, the greatest light within yourself. Absolutely. I also noticed, and I thought this was really interesting, you posted on your Instagram recently that you wanted to make sure that people understand you're, that you're not a quote-unquote guru. Um, why was it important for you to share that? 
Um, you know, because I think even though guru means dispeller of darkness, somebody that can shine light in the dark. Mm -hmm. So if that's the case, I believe everybody in the world is a guru because we've all shined light in dark places. But with the Westerners term of guru, I think sometimes it has a funny um, connotation that comes along with it where people could instantly think, oh, so-and-so guru, guru this. And it just leaves a bad taste in people's mouth where I just want people to see that I'm a human being, just like you're a human being, trying my very best to find peace and love within myself and in this world. And what I have found, you can also find. Mm -hmm. And this peace and this love that you see and you feel for me in these videos and my art is also resting within you. And sometimes the idea of guru, it's put up on a pedestal to think, oh, I look up to this person. I want to be like this person, but I'm saying, hey, you don't need to look up to me. We're on the same level. And what you're feeling is already within you. That's why you're feeling it. Mm -hmm. So I kind of want to just get rid of this idea that I'm something more than other people, because I know that what I have found has just been through my internal work and my spiritual work. I have found this place. And by finding this place, you know, there were no miracles. There was no spells. There was no anything. It was just me really looking into myself and keep asking myself, who am I? Who am I? Who am I? And I found this love. So I want everybody else to know that they can also find this place. You have a few tools which really help for your self-care, which is part of your practice, like breathing, yes. creating your art, meditation. I would love for you to share some more about your favorite meditation practices. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. So recently what I've been doing every morning, my, my routine, when I start the day, I will um, wake up and just take these deep, deep, deep breaths in through the nose, out through the mouth. And I imagine as I'm exhaling, I make a noise almost like, almost like the wind. And as this is going out of my mouth, I'll do this for 10 minutes, inhale, exhale. I'll imagine with that wind noise that it's carrying all of the thoughts, all of the past, all of my memories, all of the anxiety, it's carrying with the wind and it's leaving my body. And that brings me in such a state of peace in the morning for 10 minutes. That's how I'll kind of start it. And then right after there, I'll do alternative nostril breathing, um, which is also called sun moon breath. And it's, it's, Pinching one side of your nose, inhaling through one side, then opening that side up, exhaling and inhaling through the other side. And it's this process just going back and forth through one nostril breathing. And what it does is it kind of, um, there's science behind it, but what it does is it kind of just settles down and balances the chemicals in the left side and the right side of your brain. So it feels like it makes your mind so still. So after I do the, um, the wind breath and then the alternative nostril breathing, it brings me in this state of um, awareness and peace where I can start the day, not in my mind, because as we all know, if you wake up and think something, oh, no, I got to do this today. Oh, no, am I going to be anxious like I was yesterday? Then that can spiral out of control. Mm -hmm. And I noticed that how I spend the very beginnings of my day have a huge impact on how I live the rest of my day. So now it's really important to start in this place of loving awareness and peace. And after I do the, um, after I do the uh, alternative nostril breath, I will just sit there in meditation. And there's so many different guided meditations you can do. There's so many different things that I have done, but I, it's really simple for me. I will just sit there with my spine straight up on a flat surface, my back um, in alignment, my head in alignment, and I will just close my eyes and feel what it's like to just be, to be present, what this moment feels like. And that's really it while focusing on my breath. And there's two different places you can focus on that will help you to get outside of your mind. What I'll do is sometimes you can focus on right where the tip of your nose is, right where the air comes in, you can focus on that sensation. And I learned this from Ram Dass many years ago, and I've held it with me since. So you can feel just the very tip top part of your nose, the wind coming, the air coming in and out and in and out. 
you can solely focus on that. Or what I like to do is I like to focus on my belly, deep belly breathing, rising and falling. So I'll just close my eyes, become aware of the air coming into my body, bringing me life. And I'll notice the muscle in my stomach that's making my stomach go up as the air comes in. And then as I exhale, watch my stomach go down. And it seems so simple. It seems like, oh, that couldn't do anything. But if you sit there for just 15 to 20 minutes and focusing on the rising and the falling of your stomach, and you think, oh, that's easy, but (laughs) try it later. You do it two or three times and you're already thinking about a different thought. It is not that easy to just focus on rising, falling, rising, falling with nothing else while feeling the sensation of your stomach going up and down. And um, just that simple practice alone of focusing on the rising and falling of the air coming in and out of your stomach will do um, profound effects and results in your practices if you just stick with that alone. And then after those 20 minutes or so of focusing on the rising and the falling, I am completely dissociated, detached from my mind. And I am in such this clear space where no thoughts are really, maybe one, two here and there, but I just notice them fly by like, like birds. Mm-hmm. And after that, I am in such this place of awareness. And again, it's taken practice for a long time, but in such this place of awareness where I'll just sit there after that anywhere from another 30 minutes to at the very most, sometimes two hours And I will be so clear-minded and feel so full of life and love that I will just sit there in this state of awareness and just, just, um, be, it sounds like, oh, you know, you should do something more productive with your time, but I will be in such this clear state where I feel like doing nothing other than just sitting there in this place. And as I do this and continue this practice and stay consistent with it. I keep realizing that this place of awareness, of clear-mindedness, of consciousness is who I really am because these thoughts come and go, this anxiety comes and goes, these, this impending doom and these, these depressive thoughts, they come and go, but as eventually they leave, which they all do, all that's left is this place of awareness. And if I can understand that that's who I am underneath all of it, not only does it help my every day, because say I have a mind attack and I feel anxious or a panic attack, I realize I can, I can calmly remind myself now, oh, remember you're the awareness, the, the awareness that you felt this morning in meditation underneath all of this. So it's okay if the anxiety comes, just become aware to it. Don't hold it so tight. Don't hug it. Don't judge it. Don't identify with it. Just acknowledge it, become aware of it, and then it leaves. And it always leaves when I'm in this place of awareness. But when I'm in my thinking mind and I have a panic attack, I hold on to it. And it can last for a whole day or days because I'm thinking, oh, no, not this anxiety again. This anxiety is who I am. I am anxious. And why am I anxious? Why am I feeling this way? How will it ever end? And then you get in these spirals in your mind where before you know it, you've spent a whole day in the panic of your own mind. Mm -hmm. So the sooner I can remind myself of this awareness, it's a lot easier to go about and be present throughout my entire day. Yeah. Yeah. Takes you out of your head and into your heart. Yeah. Absolutely. But that's also an art to be able to sit there, I think. And it also makes you more productive afterwards. Absolutely. Yeah. It's beautiful if you can do that. I also wanted to ask you, since it's for Artipop about parenthood, Mm -hmm. I was wondering if you were to become a parent one day, what would your focus be? Like, what do you consider crucial for raising the next generation of souls? Mm -hmm. And I, I do plan on raising kids and I can speak on my mom because she has a great impact of why I am the way I am. Mm -hmm. And she spent her whole life working on um, this program, creating confident daughters Mm. and instilling confidence in children. And um, I've realized how much that's affected myself, my brother, my sister, and all the kids she's touched in this life is to embrace them for who they are. And instead of trying to, what we see so many parents change a kid to be like, 
who they think they should be mm-hmm. or, or maybe what they should do. Parents imposing their belief systems and their, maybe their ways of life on their children. Well, that just produces the exact same as the parents. So if the parent's not happy and the parent's struggling, they're just going to make a kid that it's that, that same way. So what's helped me so much in life is my mom embracing me and my uniqueness and lifting me up and giving me the confidence to be my fully authentic self um, without limiting my beliefs or trying to get me to think how she thinks, just embracing me to experience life in my own unique way with no limitations that she imposed on me and um, instilling so much confidence in me that you know, most people that message me say, I know your dreams are coming true, but it's just so unrealistic. It's so unrealistic. And Mm. that's probably a lot of because of what they were told. But my mom told me that I can change the world. My mom told me that uh, it makes me emotional. Um, She told me that I could do whatever I wanted to and that I not only can, but I should be my fullest self and get out there in the world and live life from my spirit. And um, she never held me back. She always just encouraged free thinking. She encouraged me to be me, whatever that meant to me, without having her, you know, me to be like her or my dad. Um, And just embracing my uniqueness because we see so many kids feel bad or shameful about who they are. But if everybody, every child had that self-love, was, was taught self-love growing up, I think we would have a lot less depression, a lot less anxiety, a lot less confusion and violence in this whole world if we were taught the importance of self-love. So a lot of my message comes back to loving yourself because if the children don't love themselves, they grow up to be adults who don't love themselves. And how can you impact the world in all of these loving ways and help make this world a better place if you cannot find that love from within yourself. Totally, totally. And I think it's also often, because children are actually, when they're born, they're very free, but it's in childhood where the conditioning starts. Absolutely. And I think it's also a lot of parents have maybe not processed everything from their childhood yet. Absolutely. Yeah. How could we support those parents or or create communities where there's more freedom for the child, where there's more ability for the child to process their emotions, to be themselves. You know, I think being in schools, like teaching emotional and self-love, I think that could be one of the most valuable things. I don't know how we could get that um, as a program throughout um, the world, but really teaching these and having classes and feeling feelings and understanding feelings and emotions and what has happened would be a huge thing. And I'm, I'm working on these kind of little projects myself of trying to figure out, like you just asked, how to best do this on the greatest scale. But like you said, our parents still have stuff from their childhood. Mm-hmm. And it reminds me of my father and his father and my grandpa. He has not processed many things from his childhood and lived this life where He never learned to be in touch maybe with his heart and to be really vulnerable and believed a man should be a man and tough and not sensitive and not vulnerable. So teaching people, it's not only okay to feel vulnerable, it's empowering to share your truest self and your most authentic self. And I know that by my grandpa not being that vulnerable and sharing his heart, My dad lived with that as a child, and although he's grown so much and way more open-hearted, I still noticed that he struggles being vulnerable. Like I've made, I don't know if I've ever seen him cry ever, and he never really talks about his feelings. And I know he experienced anxiety and sadness at times, and I so desperately wish that we could just talk about it. Mm. But there's some kind of block within him that I don't know if he sees it as a weakness or he just doesn't want to be vulnerable because it's just too uncomfortable of a feeling. But I think 
creating a space in this world where not only men, but women and children feel comfortable being vulnerable so they can look at what has happened to them, why they are the way they are, and then so we can heal together. But I think unless people are willing to be vulnerable with themselves, there will always kind of be a block. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Mm-hmm. And it's also interesting what you just said. It came from your father, your grandfather. I, and I guess sometimes, I don't know if you agree, but vulnerability seems to be, um, or we perceive it, I guess, in Western society as like a, a feminine trait. Absolutely. We should create more space for men and women or however you define yourself to really be more vulnerable wherever you come from. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And just like my platform shows, I think, 90 something percent of the family we've created there are women. Mm -hmm. And I think that's because they are more vulnerable. They're more in touch with their heart. They are more sensitive, at least just from my experience in my life and the men that I've met and the friends, the guy friends that I grew up with. I believe that it's more, you know, it's not as accepted, especially back where I'm from in a small Midwestern town to be a man and to be vulnerable and to be sensitive and to be able to cry, that would be considered weak. And I think that's why the platform is the way it is because yeah, I think women are more comfortable being vulnerable and men have taken it as this thing of weakness, which I couldn't disagree with more because I found my truest self and loved myself through my vulnerability. And if I weren't to be vulnerable with myself and be able to cry and to be able to feel life and to express, I would be trapped. I know I would be trapped. I know I would feel suffocated if I just had to, because like I look at my grandpa, he's had all these tough experiences in life, these hardening experiences, these dark experiences, and he's kept them all within his own being, never expressing to anybody. And I couldn't imagine what 85 years of keeping all of your pain and struggle and suffering in your own heart, what that would do to a human being. Mm -hmm. But I'd imagine not good things. No, no, no. Is there a way to create more of these safe spaces for everyone, especially for children growing up? Because that's where it starts. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think that and that's what we tried to do back home. My mom and I kind of started these little programs and she started this deck of cards that um, inspires confidence and vulnerability. And it's this very unique set of cards that asks these fun questions to get them talking outside of the box to really understand what's underneath. Um, so there's these little programs like this, but I think the main You know, I think one of the huge things that starts it is just being vulnerable ourselves because I've noticed when I'm vulnerable or I cry, people feel that. And then they think it's, oh, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay to be vulnerable. It's okay to cry. So um, by us allowing ourselves to be vulnerable, the ripple effects will happen naturally. I've already noticed within my dad just being vulnerable around him and saying, hey, dad, I'm struggling. You know, I'm, I'm So whether it's in day-to-day conversation or somebody, a friend you're talking to, the more vulnerable we are, the more comfortable others are going to feel with being vulnerable. And like I said, just with my dad telling my dad recently, I got to spend two weeks with him back home and saying, you know, I'm struggling again, dad. I feel anxious. I feel sad. I'm, you know, crying and telling him all of these things. He was able to hear that. And then for the first time, he told me that he struggles with anxiety and sadness, mm. which I, I had probably could have guessed, but I didn't know that. And just for him to be able to say that, I know that a weight was released from him because it was the first time he could ever tell somebody else that he was struggling. Yeah. So in our day-to-day conversations, you know, to be vulnerable with people that we talk to and get deeper than the surface level conversations of hey, how was your day? What's going on to really care to get deeper and to allow ourselves to be vulnerable around people um, is a great way to start. But also, um, yeah, and again, I haven't translated this into the physical yet, but somehow getting into the school programs or to children at a young age before they're limited, before they're 
told how to think and how to behave and how this world works and who they are to get that message in before the world kind of can harden them as it does all of us over time Mm -hmm. and and teach them effective, um, just effective ways and the importance of feeling feelings, what feelings are, feeling emotions, what emotions are, what thoughts are, um, how being vulnerable and sharing experiences could be a way to um, prevent suffering in the future and to feel better and more connected to all of humanity. Because if we don't allow ourselves to be vulnerable, it's going to be hard to have that really deep heart to heart connection with anybody. So I am working on that and trying to figure out how to best, um, how to best get that in the physical, like you're saying, to really be there for the children and make it a physical thing so we can actually get it going. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's beautiful. I almost feel like vulnerability is where love starts also for another person. Absolutely. Like I feel if someone dares to be vulnerable, dares to be themselves truly, that's where you fall in love with someone. Absolutely. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. What do you think it takes for a child and for a human in general to be happy? Mm. Yeah. You know, happiness Happiness seems like um, a feeling that comes and goes like sadness does sometimes. But to live, I get what you're saying, to live from that place of joy Mm -hmm. where life seems positive. I think it takes a level of self-love. I think that a lot of it has to do with what's inside of you. And if you can cultivate self-love within yourself, I think that will shine with you wherever you go. I think that will affect every single person that you meet. I think that will enrich every experience you have in life and provide new opportunities. Um, And that when you're living with so much self-love and confidence, you're not going to be so easily swayed by other people and what they're doing, what their hobbies are, what way they're telling you to go. Because if you're walking with this confidence and self-love of, I love myself, I have an idea of who I am and what I want, you're going to follow that spirit. And that's going to lead you to the things you're supposed to experience in life. Like if I didn't have self-love, I wouldn't have made any of this art. I wouldn't have made any of this videos. I, the self-love that I have within myself created these videos, created this art because I had so much confidence in oh, this is exactly what I'm supposed to be doing right now. This is exactly the life I'm supposed to live. And it was many hard jobs and stuff leading up to this art becoming successful and being a career of its own. But I always had that voice in my head that just knew that if I keep being myself, loving myself, the right opportunities will present itself. And, um, I will be able to live the life that I want. And it has proven to be just that. So I think that self-love is just huge. And I think of my friends back home who still struggle with darkness and addiction and anxiety and depression. I see the majority of them um, lacking a lot of self-love. They don't love who they are, whether it be experiences or relationships that have caused them that parents that have been really hard on them and not embracing them. But I see my friends that still struggle a lot with sadness, always seem to not be able to figure out how to find peace and happiness. It seems to be a direct correlation with Mm self-love. And when we're living from that place of self-love, we're going to do the thing that's right for us. We're going to eat the food that makes us feel good. We're going to do the spiritual practice that makes us feel good because we're loving ourselves and we want to do things to enhance and continue loving ourselves. Yeah. So I think, yeah, a lot of it just comes back to finding that love within yourself to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In your opinion, how do you feel we can move towards a better planet for all? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it may seem like I'm saying the same thing over and over, mm-hmm. but it's finding that to me, finding that love within yourself, because if you don't love yourself and you carry some kind of hatred or dislike on yourself, that will reflect on the whole world. And I'm a big believer that whatever world we have within the outside world will reflect that. So if you don't love yourself and you have the shame and guilt and hatred for yourself, 
well, what would make you truly care for the environment or the planet or another human being that's suffering? Um, you know, if you can't even feel that love within yourself, how could you feel it for anything if it's not coming from within? So I think a lot of it has to do with finding that light, finding that love within your own being. And naturally, as you find that and work on healing yourself, you will start to see the love in everything, the beauty in everything. And then that will make you want to take better care of the environment, want to take better care of the animals, stop and help the stranger that's walking across the street. You know, it'll naturally want, it'll naturally just unfold as, as the light shines through you, because you'll see that that light in everything and in everyone and the environment and the trees and the plants and, you'll see that in everything. So I think it's a natural unfolding of what's going on within ourselves. Yeah, I do really believe that. Well, lastly, there's one favorite poem of Anna's. This morning I sat with the flower. She was really impressed by that and I am as well. And I wanted to ask you if in conclusion you could recite it for us. Oh, absolutely. There's a couple ones I have with flowers. Which one are you talking about? It was this morning I sat with the flowers and we all started to blossom. Oh, okay. Yeah. How does, I'm trying to think of how that one starts, but I will absolutely recite that for you. Oh, okay. Okay. It goes something like, yeah, you know, what's crazy is I've written maybe two or 300 poems and I've never written one of them down. Oh, okay. <laughs> They've all come through meditation. So when you say it, I have to jog my consciousness to remember, but I think you're speaking of I woke up this morning like, God, this is awesome. I sat with the flowers and we all started to blossom. They told me, keep my spirit up, keep my focus on the sun. And when the rain comes, don't you ever run, my boy. Stay grounded and let it water your roots until they grow so deep that there's nothing left to do but just be. A reflection of love for the whole world to see that there's nothing to run from. When you know where you come from, you see. I love that. That's beautiful. <laughs> thank you. Thank you so, so much. Thank you for reciting this. And also thank you so much for your time, of course. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And the questions you asked, I think I can't wait till um, this podcast comes out because I think these are the questions that need to be asked. And um, I know a lot of people wonder them, but just to have them all out there, And all of the well-thought-out, beautiful, heart-opening questions you had, I think will be a gateway for so many people to find that love. And I, I just really appreciate what you're doing. Oh, thank you. It's been a real honor to talk to you. And I really enjoyed spending time with you this way. Me too. Me too. And have a beautiful day. We'll stay in touch. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Have a beautiful day. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you'd like to know more about Anna's idea of the new motherhood, head on over to the pilot episode where she explains more about this. Please hit subscribe if you'd like to be notified when a new episode is up. Also, we'd be very happy to get your feedback and possibly suggestions for new topics or interviewees. Hope this episode informed, inspired, opened up your mind in some way. Until next time.